sisters who we've led into our lives. See, that's why we love groups here at Crossroads. Whether you don't have a community, if you're serving in a ministry, those people are becoming a group of people who really know you and you share life together. Those are the people who can say, hey, listen, I know what you're playing. I'm worried about you because of this, this, and this. And those are faithful friends who are hoping for God's best for your life. They might not always be right, but they love you enough to say, hey, listen, that might be a little Ishmael you're making there. It's hard to wait on the Lord, but when we endure it, He can put us exactly where He needs. We all have our own call, and that's exactly what we'll find as we hear about the first census of the children of Israel. Pastor Daniel will explain why the Levites weren't counted, because the Lord had a specific appointment for them. We can look around all we want at what others are doing, but if we let God lead, we'll have an impact that we wouldn't have on our own. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message, The First Census. We have to take an honest account of who we are so that in the battles of life that are inevitable, they're not chosen, they are just there, that we find ourselves strong and more than conquerors through him who loved us, as it says in the book of Romans. So tonight, I want to encourage you to take an inventory. Where am I exposed? Where am I weak? Where am I easily defeated? And say, God, I want you to help fortify those areas of weakness. As a church collectively, as Crossroads Community Church, how can we be more engaged in the work of ministry? How many of us could say, hey, I want to be involved in going for the care ministry, and I want to help in this ministry or that ministry, or hey, I'd like to lead a group, or I'd like to host a group, or I'd like to do this, I'd like to do that. God wants the whole family of faith, what? Fully engaged. God delivers the children of Israel so that they can go out to be a part of the battle that's ahead. And I'm here to tell you, if you are here tonight or you're watching on our iCampus or you're watching this on YouTube later or on our website or however you're watching this, God wants you to be engaged in the battle that is all about God's love, his grace, his goodness, and that message not only reaching where you live but the ends of the earth. Every single nation, tribe, and tongue beginning right here. So now in verse 5, we start getting the heads of the tribes, the names. Now, you guys are going to love this because if you're looking for uh, names for boys, if you want to have kids or you want to give your grandkids crazy nicknames that your kids were going to dislike, we got a whole list of them right here. Just have, a, have at it. So look what it says. And I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to butcher these names just for fun. But you know, know what they teach you when you, go to, when you learn about preaching and you go to school and all this stuff? They teach you if you say it like you mean it, everyone will think that's the right way to pronounce it. That's actually a great music lesson, too. I learned that in jazz. When I was learning how to play jazz, I was like, look, if you play it like you mean it, everyone will think you meant it. If you make a mistake, just do it again, and everyone will think that's what you were trying to do. <laughs> What's interesting is Martin Luther, in talking about the same idea, said, if you're going to sin, sin boldly. 
Now, what he's not saying is if you're going to go down, go down in flames. He's saying that we need to live life boldly. And there's nothing better if you're going to make a mistake. Like, if we're going to fail at being gracious, then let's be boldly gracious. If we're going to make the mistake of loving too much, let's really radically love people. We need to go down boldly, not timidly. And so I'm going to read these names with boldness. And you're all going to think that's the way you pronounce it. But what I do know is this. The Hebrew language, like all the Semitic languages, unlike English and the Romance languages, the syllable is on the last syllable. So when you think of like, my name is Daniel, right? That's how you would say it, with the emphasis on the Dan, right? But in Hebrew, it would be Daniel, because in the Semitic languages, the emphasis is always on the back end or the last syllable. So I'm going to read all these names, hopefully with the emphasis on the last syllable, and I'll be closer than if I didn't. So we'll, we'll just run with it. Look what it says. Verse 5. These are the names of the men who shall stand with you from Reuben, Elizur, the son of Sheduyur. You like that? Is that good? You guys happy? Can I get an amen? Amen. Right on. From Simeon, Shelemiel, the son of, oh man, I can't even say it. Zerashadai. There you go. Something I don't know. From Judah, Nashon, the son of Aminadab. From Issachar, Nethael, the son of Zuar. From Zebulun, Eliab, the son of Helon. From the sons of Joseph. No, <laughs> but Joseph's a common English name, but it's Joseph, would be the Joseph or something like that. From Ephraim, Elisama, the son of Elamehud. From Manasseh, Gamaliel, the son of Pedazur. Now, you notice that they split up the two sons of Joseph. Notice that we get ahead for Ephraim and for Manasseh. Because if you remember, at the end of the book of Genesis, what did Jacob do? He adopted Joseph's two sons. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. It's very fascinating. So from Benjamin, Abedan, the son of Gideonai, from Da'an, you guys know how this goes. Do I have to keep doing this? I'll keep doing it for you. You'll be blessed. I'll read you the word. From Da'an, Ahazur, the son of Amin Shaddai. From Asher, Pagiel, the son of Akron. We need an Akron in our congregation. I have to like that name. From Gaad, Elisaf, the son of Deuel. From Naphtali, Ahira, the son of Enon. Amen? Amen. Amen. You guys are all blessed by that, weren't you? That's right. You know, I, as a quick aside, I remember reading, you guys know uh, Jim Elliott. Most people know Elizabeth Elliott, Jim Elliott's um, wife. And so Jim Elliott was a young man who was a missionary uh, to the Aka, the Hudani tribe in, uh, in Central and South America. And he was young, and him and uh, four other guys, they went in, and they landed, and they were actually martyred. And in a lot of ways, God used the story of Jim Elliott and Nate Saint and uh, Raju Darian and all these missionaries to really mobilize um, missionaries onto the lost tribes. And it was interesting because Jim Elliott, um, we know the story because his wife Elizabeth Elliott actually wrote the book and her and some of the wives who lost their husbands actually went back to this tribe who killed their husbands and brought the gospel. And it's a 
it's uh, Through the Gates of Splendor is the book, and there's a movie associated with it. Unbelievable. You should check it out on your own. But uh, I remember reading the journals of Jim Elliott. Uh, Elizabeth uh, released them, and they're phenomenal journals. I mean, it's amazing to read a journal of a young man who's exegeting the Greek and the Hebrew of, of the text and talking about them. But I remember I was reading, and there was one section like this where there's a list of names, and he's like, I, I spoke to the Lord about how some areas of his inspired word just don't minister to the soul like some other areas. And I felt a freedom in that because if you're reading through the Bible and you just read, I mean, I just read to you guys uh, 10 verses of names and, you know, I was going to get into all what the names mean. I was going to try and make some really beautiful um, applications, but I'm going to spare you because it's a, it's a reach. But all of these names actually have, um, they're beautiful meanings. It's not like today where you're like, I'm going to name my kid uh, Joey, Michael, whatever. Not because the name Joey, Michael is not a good name, but we're like, it needs to flow right, you know? And so, but in the Bible, people had names that had strong meanings. And so, that's something to think about when you name your kid. That, yeah, you want it to rhyme good and you want it to be, you know, you don't want to be, have it be a Julia Gulia, for those of you who remember the wedding singer. You guys, you, don't worry about it. It's not a bad, if your name, it's not the name that Julia's bad, but sometimes names can get a little funky. But, you know, each person in the Bible was named for a specific reason. There was a, there's a meaning behind the names. And so, um, but this is one of those things that it doesn't quite necessarily encourage you the way maybe reading a psalm would when you get a list of these names. But these are the heads of the families who are going to be responsible for the numbering of their families within the tribes that they are. So look what it says in verse 16. These are... These were chosen from the congregation, leaders of their father's tribes, heads of the divisions of Israel. Now, in verse 17, then Moses and Aaron took these men who had been mentioned by name, and they assembled all the congregation together on the first day of the second month, and they recited their ancestry by families, by their father's houses, according to the number of names from 20 years old and above, each one individually, and the leader, and the Lord commanded Moses, so he numbered them in the wilderness of Sinai. So you get, first you get the names from all these different tribes, and then what you have is they go through their Ancestry.com before there was Ancestry.com. Now, it's amazing. If you read your Bible and you would have said this, you're like, man, we should do this. We start a website, and then you'd have this great internet company that's got commercials. You know how many people got great business ideas from the Bible. It was said that Rockefeller went looking for oil in the Middle East because he found that Noah was asked to put pitch to waterproof the ark. And Rockefeller decided to go looking in the Middle East to find oil. And guess what he found? Yeah, he found a whole lot of it. So it's fascinating. So read your Bible. There's many benefits that can come from it. But really, they went through, this is the the head of the tribe, and they went through their entire ancestry. Now, Picking it up, look at what it says. Now the children of Reuben, Israel's oldest son, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names, every male individually from 20 years old and above who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Reuben were 46,500. So 46,500, that's the tribe of Reuben. That's how big it is. Verse 22. From the children of Simeon, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house of those who were numbered according to the number of names, every male individually from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, verse 23, those who were numbered of the tribe of Simeon were 59,300. So they had 59,300 
men over the age of 20 available for war from that tribe. Verse 24, from the children of Gad, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names, from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Gad were 45,650. From the children of Judah, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, According to the number of names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Judah were 74,600. From the children of Issachar, their genealogies by their families of by their father's house, according to the number of names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Issachar, were 54,400. From the children of Zebulun, their genealogies by their families by their father's house, According to the number of names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Zebulun, were 57,400. Verse 32. From the sons of Joseph, the children of Ephraim, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of the names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Ephraim, were 40,500 from the children of Manasseh, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Manasseh were 32,200. From the children of Benjamin, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Benjamin were 35,400. From the children of Dan, their genealogies by their father's house to the number of the names from the 20 years old and above, all were able to go to war. Those who were numbered of the tribe of Dan were 62,700. From the children of Asher, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Asher, were 41,500. And the children of Naphtali, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Naphtali, were 53,400. These are the ones who were numbered when, whom Moses and Aaron numbered when the children, leaders of Israel, 12 men, each one representing their father's house. So all who were numbered of the children of Israel by their father's houses were 20 years old and above. All who were able to go to war in Israel, all who were numbered were 603,550. Now, for those of you who are skeptics about the Bible, they actually did good math. And so if you were to count up all the things, they give you the proper accounting, 603,550. That is the right math if you were to do all the numbers. Now, a few things that I want you to think about. This is only, so we have more than 600,000 men over the age of 20. Now, how many people went down to Egypt when Joseph was there? Anybody remember? 70, or in the New Testament, it says 75 because they include Joseph and his sons who were there. If you ever looked at that, some people say, why does the New Testament say 75? The Old Testament says 70. We got to remember Joseph's there and his two sons are there and they have wives as well. And so there's 75 people who are there. So in 400 years, they grow from about 70 to 75 people to over 600,000 men. Now that is a mighty fertile bunch, wouldn't you say? 
Now, why do I bring that up? Because did not God promise Abraham that he was going to make his descendants as many as the sand of the seashore or the stars of the sky? See, this number, you might say, why is this in the Bible? Well, one, they're getting an accounting of the army so they can take an inventory of what's going on. And two, this shows God's faithfulness. I mean, think about it. They were in Egypt for a time, it was wonderful because Joseph was one of the reigning members of the Egyptian government. But then a Pharaoh rose who did not know Joseph, did not know what he did, and they persecuted the children of Israel. And the Pharaoh got so scared of the children of Israel because they were so fertile and so prolific in growing that he tried to get the midwives to kill the sons. And no matter what people tried to do, God promised that he was going to make Abraham the father of a mighty nation. And now, 420 or 30 years later, you know what you have? A mighty nation. See, God is so faithful. And the problem for us is that we are so faithless. And the beauty is, is that even when we are faithless, the Bible says, it says that he is faithful. Why? Because he can't deny himself. And the problem with our faithlessness is like Abraham, God promised him a son, right? But Abraham didn't trust and he was getting older. He's like, I'm going to work this out for God. And he ended up with an Ishmael. And to this day, Ishmael, the descendants of Ishmael, don't like the descendants of Isaac. They've been warring for thousands of years. And what happens for us is God says, I'm going to do this great and glorious thing. And we struggle with being patient. So know what we do? We go make ourselves little Ishmaels. That's what we do. When we just simply need to wait and see God be faithful. And if you're here right now, and I'm sure there's many of us here in this room, watching online, checking this out later, God said, look, I'm going to do this thing, and you're getting antsy. Listen, wait. Don't step out in the flesh. Because you know what happens when you step out in the flesh? God will let you. And then something happens that isn't God's plan or purpose, but it happens. It is so hard to say, God, I trust you. God, I'm willing to wait. God, if you don't say go, I'm not going to go, even though I want to do something, anything, God. See, nobody could stop what God was doing to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No Pharaoh, no slavery, no systematic annihilation of young people. Nothing can stop what God has decreed. And that's a hard thing because we are a I can do it myself kind of a culture. I'll pull myself up on my bootstrap. Oh, if God's not going to get it done, God may love me, but I got a wonderful plan for my own life. We need to learn how to trust in the faithful God who can do anything. My friend, listen, that's why, that's why walking by faith happens the best in community. Because we need each other to say, listen, I think you're stepping out in the flesh right now. We need brothers and sisters who we've led into our lives. See, that's why we love groups here at Crossroads. Whether you don't have a community, if you're serving in a ministry, those people are becoming a group of people who really know you and you share life together. Those are the people who can say, hey, listen, I know what you're playing. I'm worried about you because of this, this, and this. And those are faithful friends who are hoping for God's best for your life. They might not always be right, but they love you enough to say, hey, listen, that might be a little Ishmael you're making there. And we need to give people access to our lives. Because oftentimes, 
God is faithful and we are faithless, especially when God's got you waiting a little bit, right? Isn't it hard to wait on the Lord? In the Psalms, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. That's a hard discipline, isn't it? For some of you, you've been waiting for a long time for something. And I would here to tell you, listen, if God's got you waiting, wait a little longer. Don't step out unless God says so. Don't take that step unless God says, it's time. And when God says it's time, then you step out boldly. But God is, these verses are so powerful because in 430 years, they went from 70 to over 600,000 men over the age of 20. This doesn't include women and kids under the age of 20. It's, it's a powerful verse. The children of Israel might be a million, a million five in 430 years from 75 people. Because God said that that was what was going to happen. And when God says it, it is so. You'll notice that the Levites had been excluded from the numbering. And I know that's what you all thought. You ready? You're like, oh, where's the Levites, right? You were all wondering about that, right? Yeah, you're all like, no, we didn't. No, we didn't notice that, Fusco. But anyway, not to be left out. Look at what it says. Verse 47. But the Levites were not numbered among them by their father's tribes. For the Lord had spoken to Moses, saying, Only the tribe of Levi you shall not number, nor take a census of them among the children of Israel. But you shall appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony, over all its furnishings, and over all things that belong to it. They shall carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings. They shall attend to it and camp around the tabernacle. And when the tabernacle is to go forward, the Levites shall take it down. And when the tabernacle is to be set up, the Levite shall set it up. The outsider who comes near shall be put to death. The children of Israel shall pitch their tents, everyone by his own camp, everyone by his own standard, according to their armies. But the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of the testimony, that there may be no wrath on the congregation of the children of Israel. And the Levites shall keep charge of the tabernacle of the testimony. Thus the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so they did. Now, why weren't the Levites numbered? Because the Levites weren't asked by God to go to war. Their battle was different. Their battle was the battle of the tabernacle and all that it involved. Now, don't forget, the priests had a or the Levites, they had a challenging job. God gave them a portable place, this tent of meeting where he met with the people and the people met with him. And everywhere they went, the Levites were responsible for taking it down, transporting it, setting it up, serving the people. So their battle was not physical against the enemies of God and the enemies of the children of Israel. Their battle was the internal battle of caring for the spiritual needs of the community. And because of that, they were not numbered because they were not going to go to the war with the other tribes, but instead they were going to stay and take care of it. And I think there is an important lesson for us. And I think it's something that trips us up often. And that's the fact that God calls everybody to different things. And just because God's calling somebody else to something different than he's calling you doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with anybody. Jesus is real. 
The children of Israel became a powerful nation, which is exactly what God had promised Abraham. We saw God's continuing faithfulness when Pastor Daniel explained why the Levites were excluded from the census. They were tasked to take care of the people, and everyone does have their own call. We're confident that today's message has blessed and encouraged you. Jesus is Real Radio is impacting communities all over the United States. It's even reaching those in prison. It's a wonderful ministry that you can be a part of. We'd like to invite you to partner with us. Through the month of April, we're encouraging you to pray about financially supporting Jesus is Real Radio. Your financial support helps us continue and expand the mission of proclaiming that Jesus is real. This month, we'd like to say thank you for supporting Jesus is Real Radio by sending you a Jesus is Real Radio coffee mug. Every morning when you fill up to start the day, you'll be reminded to pray for the team here at Jesus is Real Radio. Check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. There you'll find an option to make your donation and receive your Jesus is Real Radio coffee mug. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel continues through the book of Numbers, where we'll continue to follow the lives of the children of Israel as they encounter times of trouble and blessing. Well, we wish we had more time today, but we'll have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through the book of Numbers. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio. Jesus is Real Radio.